Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for that awesome time of worship where we got to just lift our voices and our hearts to you. Pray that right now that you'll continue to speak through us right now through this message. Open our hearts and our minds to receive whatever it is that you want to talk to us about today. Pray that you'll speak clearly to us and help us to be able to change to be more like your son. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. My name is Alex DeRosa, the pastor of Student Ministries, and I'm excited to start a new series with us today called New Beginnings, Thrill of Hope. We just sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and that's because we're taking Christmas carols throughout this whole series and asking a couple questions about them. The first question we're going to ask is, what do these songs mean? And the second one is, do they apply to my life? I'm really excited about this because there's some joy and comfort in singing Christmas songs. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you might have heard them on the radio or sang them at a Christmas church service or something like that, or or seen them in a movie or heard them, rather, in a movie, and they might bring you the same kind of joy and comfort that they do to me and my wife. I know our sons were both born in the summertime, and sometimes when they're really cranky, when they're really little, you sing songs to them, and after like the 30th time of singing and Bob Marley's Don't Worry About a Thing, sometimes my wife would start singing Silent Night because there's something just calming about it. So I would do the same thing. We would just start to break out Silent Night, although that's in the summertime. And I know many of you out there are thinking, hey, we don't sing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving, but when you have a crying baby, you do whatever it takes to get them to be quiet, even breaking that rule of Christmas before Thanksgiving. But right now we are after Thanksgiving, so again, we're going to take Christmas songs, and we're going to talk about what they mean. Because once you start digging into some of them, they're kind of strange. I mean, you look at the game of telephone that is played in the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? I mean, the night wind talks to the little lamb who then talks to the shepherd boy. That doesn't make any sense. You look at the biblical narrative, that doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, ultimately, would that make a great movie for like Disney Channel? Yes, I would watch that. But the song, I have no idea. But thankfully, I'm not tackling that one. Once again, I'm tackling the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I'm really excited the fact that I get to talk about it because honestly, it's strange in its own right. Most Christmas songs have something to do with angels harking or shepherds quaking or a virgin mama or a babe in a manger. And O Come, O Come, Emmanuel doesn't talk about any of that stuff. However, we still consider it a Christmas song. And because at the heart of it is this longing, this deep desire for Jesus to come and be with us. Now, I wasn't in the Old Testament because this is where the story is really kind of told from. The song is sang from this perspective of God's people, the Jewish people, longing and waiting for a Savior. But maybe you're like me and you remember a time where you longed or you waited for Christmas Day to come. I remember when I was very little or maybe, I don't know, six years old, eight years old, I have no, I, 12 years old, I don't know, something around that. I remember going into a toy store one day and seeing this 13-inch Michelangelo toy. And I remember looking at my dad and be like, Dad, I want that. I need that. I need it. I need it. I need it. And I did that annoying thing that kids do where they just kind of say it over and over and over. And now that I look back, I mean, the odds were either he was going to cave and get it for me or he was going to be mad. And I felt like maybe at the time that risk was, was perfectly fine because the reward would be amazing. But my dad slyly replied to me, Alex? Why don't you just ask Santa for it? I remember being like, oh, wow, Dad, that's a great idea. So I let it lie there, and then I just longed for that toy as Christmas 
came closer and closer until finally it was Christmas Eve. And I was like, Dad, I really hope that I get that 13-inch mic. I really hope. I mean, I don't know how big it was at the time, but I, I've looked it up since then. It was definitely 13 inches. huge. And I remember waking up and opening the present, and not only did Santa bring me Michelangelo, but I got Donatello, and I got Raphael, which was super cool. And it was this amazing moment where I was longing for something, and the gift finally arrived. And the cool thing is, as we look in this story, in this song, what we're going to do is look through history and look for people who really desire the gift of life, the gift of eternal life that would come from Jesus. And the reason why they use the Old Testament in this song is because the whole thing was really telling the story of Jesus. It was making sure that we knew that Jesus is the centerpiece of all civilization, that history would forever change when he entered the world. And this is actually a lesson that I kind of learned from a book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, my son has a bunch of little Bibles, and this is probably my favorite. And I think it's my favorite because the very first chapter, and it articulates this point really well. And I would love to read it, or at least part of it to you today. So it says this. And if you have one at home and you want to grab it, it is really just starting on page 14 here. Just fun fact. So it says this. Now, some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, and sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they're downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of roles or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all those stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly, you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is a child upon whom everything would depend. Ultimately, what that story is telling us and what this song is telling us is the reason that we're celebrating Christmas the reason why this is a holiday that is so momentous in, in all of history is because Jesus was longed for, was whispered about, and finally arrived. Listen to this. At the heart of this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is, oh, sorry, <laughs> I lost my place really quick. Here it is. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is at its heart, illustrates the desire for Jesus to come, the one who was whispered about throughout God's word. It reaches into God's word and tells the story of the coming king. And so the first place that it looks to in the Old Testament to kind of tell the story is the book of Isaiah. And we find this actually in the title of the song. You see, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says this, 
All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Before I go into too much talk about what that means, I I do want to point something out because there's a question that I had and maybe you have. In the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Emmanuel was spelled with an E. And then in this verse, and the book of Isaiah calls Jesus Emmanuel with an I. And so I did some digging just to find out what that meant. And it's a very simple reason. When the writer of Isaiah wrote down the Bible, it was in the, book, in the language of the Hebrews. And that word, God with us, was translated, of course, that was Emmanuel, and it was spelled with an I. And then in the New Testament, it was in Greek, which used an E. And so the song is using the Greek Emmanuel instead of the Hebrew Emmanuel doesn't really matter. That's not really that significant. The significance is freely in the definition because Emmanuel means God with us. So the song title is simply, O Come, O Come, Jesus, and Be With Us. Because at the heart of God's people was this desire. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, it broke our relationship with God. It caused a separation between us who are fallen and sinful And God, who is perfect, when I say sin, I just really mean anything that's against God's will, anything that takes us away from his perfect purpose for our lives. But after we sin, God said, hey, don't worry, there is going to be a day when I send a Savior to you. And eventually there was this king. His name was King David, and he was one of the best kings of all time, and he was the king of God's people. And God said, out of this line of David was going to come a king that was going to sit on the throne forever. And what he was talking about was Jesus. And this song actually references this. In the second verse, it says, O come, thou rod of Jesse. Now, Jesse was David, King David's father. Free thine own from Satan's tyranny. And then in verse 4, now we didn't read verse 4, or we didn't sing it rather today because there is five verses in the song, but the last two are kind of tricky, so we let everyone off the hook today. But in verse 4, it says this, O come, thou king of David, come. What it's doing is referencing this belief that people had in what God said, that they were going to look at David's line, the people that came after David, And they were just longing for someone to arrive from his line that was our Savior. So you could just picture Jewish people continuing to check up on this line. Well, who came next? Who is in the line of David? Is it our Savior? Finally, is it the Messiah, meaning the Savior? Is it Jesus? Is he come to be with us until finally it happened? And so in the book of Matthew, you'll see that the, the, the first book of the New Testament, which talks about Jesus, there's four books that really talk about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke really talk about the birth story of Jesus. Matthew was writing to the Jewish audience, and his book was really trying to prove to the people that this Savior that you longed for has arrived. So he starts by reading out this genealogy, which is Someone begat someone begat someone else. And you might have skipped past that. I know I have. I've looked at that and been like, ooh, there's a lot of names I don't know. I'm just going to skip back to that and talk about the little baby that's really cute in the manger. But the significance is pretty big. It talks about Abraham, one of God's leaders, and it goes all the way to David, again, King David, and it takes it all the way to Jesus, reminding God's people that I did not abandon you. I did not leave you. I told you this would happen, and it is happening today. 
And then the song continues to talk about the Old Testament in verse 5, and it says this, O come, Adonai, Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. That was one of the other verses that we omitted from singing because, I mean, look at those words. O come, Adonai, Adonai meaning Lord, and then it talks about Sinai's height. And the significance of this is talking about a guy named Moses. So Moses, another leader that God chose to, to lead his people, eventually went on to this Mount Sinai. And when he did, he interacted with God, and he received the Ten Commandments. And so the first time I read this, I was confused. I was like, sure, like, Moses, that's pretty great. I'm glad that he's talked about it. Seems like a good guy. Ten Commandments, that's pretty huge in our lives. I'm awesome. But why in a Christmas song? And then it hit me. In the book of John, another one of those books that talks about Jesus, he skips the, the story about Jesus' birth and really just goes to talk about the supernatural nature of Jesus. And he refers to Jesus in this way. And we'll start to see the connection. It's in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, God's glory was referred to as his supernatural nature, his majesty and his awe. His glory, God's glory was shown to Moses on the mountain. And then John is saying that God's glory is revealed to us through Jesus so what this song is pointing out is that same glory that was on Mount Sinai that the Jewish people forever would notice. Like, that was a big event in history. Would say, wait a second, now Jesus was revealing that same glory to us because he is God and he's manifesting that glory in himself. That supernatural being has arrived. The song in verse 3 would talk more about this glory and it says this, O come thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. And when I first read this one, this was actually my uh, favorite verse. I just thought it sounded cool, this dayspring, this idea of dispersing the gloomy clouds of night. I like all of that. It, it makes I don't know, it just makes me feel good about this, this song. But then I realized I don't really know what dayspring means. So I did what normal people do. I Googled it. What does dayspring mean? And I found two definitions, both of them very good. The first one is this, the beginning of a day dawn. Ugh. Immediately, I was like, oh, jeez, I should have put that together. Dayspring, when the day springs up, when, when the day starts, it got it. The second definition, though, I really feel like applies to our lives and really this series, this year-long series, New Beginnings. It says, the beginning of a new era or order of things. And I like that because I want a day spring in my life. I want a new era of things to begin. I want Jesus to come into my life and just remove those gloomy clouds, whether they be stress or anxiety or doubt or fear. I want him to take them not just out of my life, but out of this city's life, I want him to take it out of this world. I want those gloomy clouds of night just to be removed by Jesus. And ultimately, it's why he came. It's why he came to this earth. And it's actually sung about in the very first line of the song. And I've kind of buried the lead because I could have just started with this one because it really tells us all about his intentions. But I wanted to, to build the case about why this talks about Jesus. But this first line is so good. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel.'" 
that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. This verse sets the tone for the song. It actually gives us a clue of why the song doesn't sound chipper like most Christmas songs. It's talking about this idea of God's people being in captivity and knowing it knowing that their sins, the stuff that they do wrong, is keeping them from a good relationship with God. It's this desire for him to come. And it's actually where we get our take-home point, which is the one point that I believe the song is making, but also that this message is all about. And it's simply this. Jesus came to set captives free. It's why the Bible whispers his name. It's why the prince leaves his kingdom to come to earth. And ultimately, it's why this song is a cry for Jesus to be with us. The song has this idea, this image of a people that are trapped and that desire freedom. And Jesus says, you know what? Sure, you deserve to be trapped. You deserve to be jailed because of your sin. But I'm still going to come and be with you. I actually learned this, this kind of message from my father Years ago, a family member of ours was put in prison. He did something wrong and deserved to go to prison. But when that happened, his immediate family stopped visiting him. So my dad decided to do was go and see him every single week, week after week. As long as he was in prison, my dad was going to visit him. In the days he went to go visit him, he would leave work, go to the jail, spend time with this family member, and then come home just in time to go to bed to wake up and go to work the next day. Made such a long day that one day I came up to my dad and I was like, hey, why don't you take a break? Like, why don't you let other family members, maybe his immediate family, and go and visit him? And my dad said, well, they won't. And so if I don't, I don't know if anyone will go and see him. And as much as he's been an idiot, and as much as he's wrong, as much as he deserves to be in there, he's still family, and I still care for him. And it's the same kind of care that God has for us too. He looked at his creation and said, all right, I know that you've messed up. I know that you are flawed, but I'm going to come and I'm going to spend time with you because I love you and you're my family. And not only did he want to spend time with us, but he came to break the bondage of sin that is on our lives. It says this in in verse 2 of the song, From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over, or or, if you will, the grave. God knew that we're sinners. He knew it. He was aware of it. It wasn't like the people of God finally did enough to prove themselves to God. So he was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to come. No, they were still sinners. And God said, you know what? I'm going to come because I love you. I'm going to leave my kingdom and I'm going to enter into the muck and mire because of who I am, not because of what you've done. And when Jesus was on the earth, he talks about it. It's recorded in the book of Luke. It says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. 
All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you just heard has been fulfilled today. What he's saying is that this cry, O come, O come, Emmanuel, has been fulfilled. And in another moment, it shares why this song sounds somber. Because it's Jesus saying, I've come to people that are imprisoned, and I've come to pay a price so that they will be set free. You see, ultimately, Jesus not only came to be with us on earth, but to sacrifice his life to break the chains of slavery caused by sin. He came to give us freedom. Me and you, freedom. That was his desire. That was his goal. Yes, he wanted to be with us, but he also wanted to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life, so that we can be with him always, so we can always be in a relationship with God, that our sin no longer would separate us from having that perfect relationship with God. And then our lives wouldn't be defined by the sin that wants to chain us. So today, I want to talk to you about freedom. If you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never given a commitment to him saying, hey, be my Lord, which means owner, be my Savior, rescue me from my sin and death, I want to talk to you. Some days I'm thankful that I remember myself in high school where I hadn't made that commitment yet. I knew who God was. I was told about him back in VBS when I was very little, but I never said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, until one day when it started to hit me. I've been searching. I've been filling my life with everything I can to find meaning, to find purpose, and it just wasn't working. I had this God-sized hole that I was trying to shove other things in, and I finally was at my wit's end, and I heard a speaker talk about this idea that Jesus came to us and I finally gave my life over to him. And instantly, I just remember this feeling of weight lifting off my shoulders as I was joined to Jesus. I was actually in front of a stage. I was kneeling down. I lifted my hand up and I honestly felt just a squeeze of my hand. I look up, nothing was there. And I had this I just feeling, this knowledge that Jesus was joining with me, that I would not be separated from him anymore. So today... I'm telling you, if you've never given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you want that freedom that comes with it, we're, having a, we're gonna have a prayer at the end of this message, and I wanna encourage you to start right now thinking about, do you wanna give your life over to Jesus? A guy named Paul would write a letter to the Romans, and he would talk about the freedom that comes when we give our life to Jesus, and it says this in chapter eight of that letter. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So for you, freedom is available if you're far from God. But freedom is also available to you who might know God, who has a relationship to God, but have still found themselves drifting far away and allowed sin to chain them up and hold you back. We're all susceptible to it because we're fallen people. And sin, as Pastor Chris often says, is always fun until it's not. So listen to this. Even if you're a Christian, actively participating in sin will keep us from experiencing true freedom. Sin and the chains that go with it long to bind us. 
For me, what that kind of looks like, and I'll give a, a couple examples, really just looks like stress and anxiety. It's no mistake that, or I mean, it's, I don't lie about that. I don't make any excuses for that. I fall into that trap of anxiety that, that, that takes me away from the freedom that comes from not worrying. I let those chains bind me. For you, that might be the same thing, or it might be something different. It might be guilt. It might be shame. It might be the way that you look at yourself where you don't feel like you're any good and it's really putting you in a box that keeps you from doing what God wants you to do. It might be an addiction. It might be anything that tries to lie to you and tells you that you need it instead of God to sustain you. Whatever it is, let me tell you today that God wants to take it and he wants to crush it. He wants to remove those chains from you and he wants to grant you freedom. Freedom to not be a slave to that sin. Sin likes to lie to us and tell us that we're stuck, that we're not going to get free. But later on in that chapter of Romans, it would say this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. That same glory that was on Mount Sinai with Moses. That same glory that shone through Jesus when he arrived in this earth is available to us because when we give our lives over to Jesus, we become members of his family. We become heirs to his throne. So today I want to implore you, if you have sins that are keeping you from that perfect relationship with God, give them up. If it's stress, if it's worry, if it's anxiety, if it's doubt, give them to God today. He died for them. He died for your freedom. Specifically, you give them to him. If it's shame, if it's guilt that's keeping you from this knowledge that you're a child of God and that he made you and that you are his masterpiece, give that to God. Let those lies be removed from your life and give them to God so he can grant you freedom. If it's an addiction that you've kind of assume that you're never going to break free from, give that to God and allow him to break it for you. He tied so that he can break those sins, so he can bear that burden for you. Sometimes what happens is I think, and at least in my life, is I start to look at my sins and I get embarrassed of them. I get ashamed of them. So I don't really want to bring them to God. And I start to forget that God knows everything that I've done. He knows everything that you've ever done. He knows the worst thing that you and I have ever done, the stuff that we're not really wanting to broadcast to other people. He knows that, and he still died for us despite it. He knew that stuff was going to happen when he was hung on the cross for you and me, and he still died for our sins so that he could remove them for us and from us and so that we can be granted freedom from him. So today, as we go out, let us have that mindset of freedom freedom. Let's sing this song, and when we do, let us be remembering this idea that Jesus came for us. Ultimately, after looking and research and thinking about this song, I've come to this conclusion. This song doesn't contain the lightness of Christmas. It contains really the weight. 
the weight of sin that Jesus bore for us, the weight of freedom that he paid for for you and me. And since he paid for it, since he already died for it, and then he rose from the dead, defeating death and sin, already, he did that, let's live into it. And if we're going to live into it this week, we can do it with today's next step, which simply says, I will identify and pray for God to take my chains away this week. It's really two steps. It's identifying what are the chains. Maybe you know them already. Maybe you're already thinking, I know what's keeping me from God. But if not, identify. Ask God to reveal them to you and then ask God to break those chains in your life. Right now, what I would love to do is to pray with you. I would love to say two prayers. I want to first pray for anyone that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Here at New Life, we say that that prayer entering into that relationship is as easy as A, B, and C. A is simply admit. Admit that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. B, believe that God is the one true God and that Jesus came to die for you and me. And C, confess our need for a Savior and our need for a Lord and confess our sins God. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray that prayer. And then afterwards, I'm going to pray a prayer for anyone that does know Jesus, but wants to give their sins away to him, that wants Jesus to break the sin. So let's gather together and pray. And this first prayer, if you've never given it to God, your life to God, please just make it your own words, your own thoughts, and your own heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that right now that you will enter my lives, that you will enter me and make me a new creation. Take my sin and remove it. I believe that you are the one true God. Be my Lord and my Savior. And dear Jesus, right now I pray to you, if, I, if anyone's out there that knows Jesus as Lord and Savior, but still wants their sins, their chains to be broken, I pray that right now that they will just say this prayer, Jesus, take my sin, take that addiction, Take that anxiety, take that guilt, remove it from my life right now. Take it and make me again a new creation. Draw me close to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go out into this world and this season, let's remember the purpose of why Jesus came to bring freedom to captive Israel, to bring freedom to you and me. And as we do that, Let's stand firm in the promise that Jesus came and died for you and me once and for all. Amen.